0: Welcome to today's podcast episode, Tuesday, September 20th. I want to thank today's guest for tracking me down. Um, You'll remember in the springtime, I had one of those signs up in my yard. I'd mention it here and there. Uh, Issue three, the mental health levy, which passed overwhelmingly. Thank you. It's really important to see um, how that money is spent when we approve it. Even if it wasn't for things that we necessarily had any idea about We want to see our money, our taxes spent well And this is one of the programs that is just that So let's dive right into it Um, A great new program or a new program with Guardian Services From the Mental Health and Recovery Services Board of Lucas County Scott, Mike and the team And it's great to have Carol on to talk just about that now Good to meet you, thank you very much for reaching out Thanks for having me. You uh, you said that we have we've crossed paths before. We did cross paths before one time. What happened? Was it was it a violent collision?
1: <laughs> it was it was a head-on collision, Eric. No, no, it was not violent. It was a good thing, and it was back. Oh geez, gosh! How many years now? Four, five years ago, uh, we met and did a a short interview on uh, suicide. Pre- su- if I could talk, suicide prevention here in Lucas County.
0: Excellent. Um, how did we're going to get to why you're sitting here in just a moment? But okay. give me the background of why what what got you into that spot to begin with.
1: The spot regarding suicide prevention yeah. where we talked. Yeah. Uh. Well. I'll be totally honest with you. So my background is counseling related school psychology, went on to law school. So I'm an attorney, been one in town here for a good 21 years, Uh, always had a social service, uh, big social service uh, side to me. And I had a, a family murder suicide happen. Uh, quite a few years back, and that got me very interested in uh, the topic of suicide prevention.
0: Do, uh, do you know my friend Judge Lindsay Navarre? <clears throat>
1: I do know Lindsay Navarre.
0: Yeah, she owes me a podcast visit, but I know her docket has been piled up very, very high, because um, I'm sure... <clears throat> Her and I have to connect because I think she's doing great work, and in layman's terms, uh, protecting people who come through the court system who might otherwise be thrown away for the rest of their lives. When that's exactly mm-hmm. what they don't need. Right. Um, right. In fact, to to a side note here is I, I felt so awful. Do you remember the? Uh, God, it was in the late winter, early or early part of this year. The, the mother who uh, almost killed her two children.
1: Yes, I And do she
0: remember. wound up dead herself in in the court system, which. I hope one day we get an answer as to why that happened. But it it sadly was a very morbid but real example of what happens when we put people who need help in the wrong places. Because we know, I think we know by now, even the TV doesn't tell the best stories. We know that many people are not rehabilitated in the places they're often put. That's true. Um, true. You uh, the mental health uh, and recovery services board. Some really good people. People there, Scott and Mike, and the rest of their team uh, mm-hmm. created a program. Or how did this? How did this work? Wait, tell me about what you do with that.
1: Yeah, I work a lot with with Scott Silak and Amy Priest there. But it was really a collaboration, joint effort between. Them and their board at the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, the Lucas County Board of Developmental Disabilities, and Judge Puffenberger over at the Lucas County Probate Court. They all got together, and Judge Puffenberger really spearheaded the whole effort to say, hey, there has been a move towards guardianship services boards uh, started in Franklin County back in 2015. What is this guardianship services board concept? How can it work? If it's, Is it working in Franklin County? And if so, can it work for us here in Lucas County? And it all came from that. He took a contingent there to Franklin County to meet with Jack Coleman, the executive director and from there uh they started putting us together
0: what was what was happening there and i don't want to use the p word um uh because i sometimes in rural counties you wouldn't expect that type of mindset but usually there's some type of catalyst the p word by the way would be something progressive (laughs) forward moving
1: i was going to make sure about that yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah, (laughs) nothing else nothing very clean show for the most part
0: very clean show um but i'm guessing what you're going to come to me with is pretty progressive move down there that we adopted here. So what was happening in Franklin County that got on Judge Puffenberger's radar? Uh,
1: at the time there was a judge there in, in Franklin County, the probate judge at the time was judge Montgomery. And he, he saw such a need that, uh, that just the things you were just saying, you know, people winding up in places that they can't be rehabilitated. They can't be helped. And he kept Uh, I can't speak for the judge in Franklin County, but from all the things I've read and learned about him, he saw the need and said, how can we bring together, you know, social workers, the whole social service piece that people need and the legal piece people need, guardianship and how all that works in the courts? How can we put it together and very holistically and very progressively have a a one, in a sense, a go-to Go one, go to shop for for people for guardianship where they get the case manager, the social worker, uh, the attorney piece, um, and next thing you know, you have a guardianship that works for people.
0: I guess in some ways, it's a lot easier to execute this kind of program in a place like that because there's a lot, there's a lot less red tape. There's a lot, uh, there's fewer cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, where if somebody wants to enact something because they see a problem, they can can jump into action. We're here. Things take a little bit. There's a lot of emails involved. Lots yeah. of meetings. Lots of meetings to
1: have meetings. Lots of meetings and meetings. Oh, our board did so many meetings with, again, Mental Health Recovery Services Board and probate court and uh, and the Lucas County Board of DD. And luckily, uh, when it was put into place in Franklin County, Judge Montgomery helped get the ohio revised revised code, literally put into place to create guardianship services boards so that trickled down so that uh, the way it was written so that other counties small counties could join together and band together two or three of them and make their own multi-county mm-hmm. guardianship services board or a little bigger county from that like lucas can have their own guardianship services board and uh, how they created it per the Ohio revised code statute worked and and here we are today
0: i i like this not only will f- fix a problem underneath his nose but when people who might mm-hmm. say um well, we can't do that here he can he seems like the kind of guy say like, actually i have the paperwork right here you just need to sign this sign yeah. off on this
1: yeah you actually can do it and so he was able to ha- have it uh, you know legislated in such a way that judge puffenberger was able to to uh to put it into action here
0: before we get to that and, and where things have come from the outset of the program here in Lucas County, um, again, very clean uh, program here very for the clean. most part. Can you give me an idea? <clears throat> excuse me, of of a, of a person okay. who, without Judge Montgomery's program in place in Franklin County, um, could wind up in a in a really bad grim spot? Like, give me the the, the kind of like literally, is this person? Uh, meant, Mentally unwell. I, I don't want to misspeak with any language here, but you talked about mm-hmm. uh, developmental disabilities. Right, right. So G- give me an example of that type of person who might have wound up in prison for the rest of their life or something else awful.
1: I can give you an example of of the type of of person that would be a good, well, yeah, a good example. So you have um, have individuals who can be diagnosed with mental health issues, right, mental illness. Then you have individuals who can be diagnosed with uh, somewhere on the spectrum with, you know, whether it's autism spectrum or other developmental disabilities. Guess what we're seeing a lot of? People who are diagnosed with both. That dual diagnosis uh, there. And we're not talking dual diagnosis of mental health and alcohol, or mental health and substance abuse, just. We're talking um, we're talking mental health and developmental disabilities working side by side in the same individual. That person is very, uh, in this example, very, they're in a precarious state, right? Um, the developmental disability side of them makes them very naive and very prone to uh, neglect and exploitation and abuse. Then you have the mental illness side. Well, that frankly can scare some people, yeah. right? And so now you have people acting scared of this individual and others trying to exploit or abuse or neglect them. So can you imagine if if that individual winds up in the wrong kind of prison system, right? What can happen? Just having them in general population, how how do you keep them safe?
0: Um, You are helping me visualize, now actually something that's a little bit close to me. When my dad retired from his main job uh, back home in Philadelphia with the city of Philadelphia, he took some training, uh, did some courses and he began to work with people who were trying to recover from traumatic brain injuries which also might fall into the purview of the person that you're talking about. These people were adults of all different ages 35, 55, 70 but because of what they had been through they were 10, 15, 20 25 years younger with the the way their brain was now working due to that traumatic injury and to your point I was thinking of someone who might not be able to control their their voice. They have emotional outbursts because they just can't control themselves for one reason or another. Um, and we've we we live we've lived in a kind of culture where somebody sees that as wrong and they're not afraid to call, uh, pick up uh, the police or call the police and then police don't know what to do with these people. And then before you know it, these people are away for who, know, who knows how long. It seems like what the plan is in place here is now to help these individuals. Um... Uh, Guardianship, you talked about. So let's talk about the program here that we have in Lucas County for people like that.
1: Right. Now, one thing I want to say, a caveat, so to speak, just because you have a a diagnosis of a mental illness, do you need a guardian right off the bat? No, of course not. You can be an absolutely fantastic, uh, productive, um, functioning member of your community, right? But It can also go the other way where you are now so sick because of the nature of your diagnosis and you're not getting any treatment, any help, any assistance because you just can't stay connected to any of those programs, let's say with the Mental Health Recovery Services Mm -hmm. Board and their providers. If you can't get that help, you can't stay connected. I mean, wh- literally, what what is going to happen?
0: That right? That, that, well, let's go back to that woman who is now lo- no longer with us. Let's use her as the example. Yeah. Um, a- as I often explain in my talks, if your brain is telling you to kill yourself, it's not working the right way. No, no mother would ever, ever, ever. Yeah. There, no mother would ever want to kill her children. Um, Maybe that woman was medicated at the right time, but we know there's a great disconnect during COVID. People weren't able to access the services they will. And a couple of times, maybe they go, you know, I'll take my medication once every three days instead of every day. And then you veer into a terrible place, and then you have something that people read in the news and simply can't believe. And then you go, well, hold on a second. This person had services. They couldn't get to them anymore. And this is why they wound up like that. Well, you nailed it right there. <laughs> I, I mean, I, literally. It's it's important to walk these things back because we just often read things in the news and and people don't pull the string and go, how did they get to that spot? And I think it sounds like what exactly. one of the things you're doing is you want to stop before they get to that spot or help them if they're in that spot. So we just don't throw somebody away throw another person away. Right. Um and one of the things I've thought greatly during the last couple of years whether it's a, a, someone who is truly a criminal or or someone who's just in a, a perilous situation and couldn't get their services, let's fix these people and make them better functioning members of society. That helps us all out. It, it literally helps
1: us all out. Um I think I can't, well, I can't think of a a better thing to invest in, but this exact population that we're talking about right now. And I have to tell you, lately, a lot of our referrals that come in, those individuals also have something else going on, and it's chronic homelessness. So now we roll the homelessness issue into everything. And you think of people you've seen on the street, maybe every day, maybe every week. And so many people write those individuals off. Um, I'm here to tell you a lot lot of the ones that we are helping and seeing, they do have a diagnosis of a mental illness and they are not connected to services any longer. They might have been at some point. um, Some places won't take place, you know, along the way. We don't have to
0: name the places, but some places I know, like if you have a dog, they won't take you with your dog. Some places are not equipped to handle people with mental illness as well.
1: They're just not, you know, we're lucky to have some great providers who do really well by a lot of our people. I'll use St. Paul's uh, Community Center as as an example or SPCC. Uh, They also serve for a lot of our individuals as the uh, representative or rep payee for them. You know, you think about it. And if you really keep thinking about it, you're like, well, if this individual's getting Social Security or they have some kind of, you know, government-related income coming in or they're on Medicaid, like, who's helping them manage this if they're on the streets? A lot of times it's St. Paul's. Um, if they're in the developmental disability system, it is um, – the um, oh, I'm just going to completely blank out on on my other uh, group I work with. All St. Of the time. Paul's is a great place.
0: I know a lot it is. Of, I know I, I know from what I have gathered over the years, and I I got to know um, Anne and her staff at Cherry Street just a little bit oh, yes. over the last year. I I from what I have come across, I know people with mental health issues. They they're probably better off at St. Paul's. They might have uh, more knowledge to handle some of those people. At least I think that that's what I have heard through the years of my time at NAMI. Like, if there's a mental health mm-hmm. issue on top of someone struggling with homelessness, St. Paul's is probably better for them, which is not far away from Cherry Street, right? No,
1: and Cherry Street now has a, a unison branch inside that's right. of it. That's right. So yeah. that's huge, right? Yeah. So we are going to start working with some more people there that we're trying to get. It's really two things trying to get them connected to services. And when I say services, I'm talking mental mental health related services yeah. right and trying to keep them from falling through the proverbial cracks that people always talk about i keep hearing two things there's they're going to fall through the cracks carol or hey the system's broken no, I'm, it really isn't broken. There's parts of it that really need some fixing, and the Mental Health Recovery Services Board is a big part of trying to fix those parts.
0: So let's, let's talk more about that and, and, and some of the, the technical ways that the program works. Let's say that someone has concern about a relative, a friend, mm-hmm. just someone that they might be tangentially connected to. Um, how could they go about getting help? How could they drop the note to this person? Like, hey, there's something here in Lewis County that could help this person you know.
1: Right. Well, if they, you know, if they know... Uh, if they know the person well enough, then, of course, they're going to go through, if they feel like they couldn't talk to them direct, they're going to go through some family members or some some relation to them, a close friend, whatever. Um, if they more of know of the person, see them around a lot, or are getting more and more concerned, seeing a decline in their appearance or how they're acting over time, uh, they could absolutely, you know, they're probably not going to know much of the background. Or if they're connected to Harbor or, you know, Or used to be. So they could literally call us direct and, and, and inquire about hey, is this someone that we can maybe get some help for? And then we could do some digging and see who we could find in that individual's orbit who could either be the guardian directly of them, or if there's no one in their their orbit, as I say it, um, then we could see about stepping in and and helping.
0: Well, uh, you talk about helping them manage social security, maybe Mm -hmm. make sure they get their medications, see whoever, what else comes with the services of that guardianship for that person so that we can either, we know how long we have to take care of that person or we rebuild them to get them back to hopefully where they were earlier in their life.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of both Um, when we're asked, hey, if, if we have a loved one or a family member or a friend who now is under guardianship with the guardianship services board here in Lucas County, is this forever? Is this for the rest of their life? For some individuals, it will need to be just because of the sheer nature of of how you know, maybe how sick they are. There's other individuals who will be able to rebuild that life with our help and with uh, my social workers help and with my case managers help. And we'll be able to help them over time. It could be a shorter amount of time or a longer amount of time. And really, I would say we would give it a good, you know, six months um, easy to to see um, once we are we're thinking they're at a place where they're ready to maybe go back on their own. We don't want to just say, okay, they're ready. Let's go. Right. um, And then have it maybe fall apart. So we're going to give it some months and say, Hey, you've maintained, you've maintained all of this. For months now, I, I think we need to approach the courts about ending this guardianship and having you reclaim that piece.
0: So when they're in your services and when they when they have a guardianship uh, person available okay. to them, are they still struggling um, living on the streets or do they have housing? Because that's obviously an integral part of this.
1: Yeah, that's, that's something about the guardianship services board that's different. We're not, uh, you know, you hear of a guardian and guardians give consent, right? You're in the hospital, you need to consent to surgery, treatment. Getting some help from Harbor, Unison, Zeph, um, a Renewed Mine, whoever it might be. But if you can't give that valid consent, someone needs to help you with that. And that's where, where we step in. Um, and we give that valid consent for those things. But there's other branches in these people's lives. If they are on the streets and they tell us quite often... Carol, or you know Jennifer, or Chris, or anyone here in my in my, on my team and in my office. Hey, we don't want to live on the streets anymore. Will you help us? We go above and beyond. Just we're giving consent for things. We are actively helping you find a place to live. We're working with the homelessness board. We're working with the Board of D.D. and their residential service providers. We're working through this M.S.A. program that's a new development over at the Mental Health Recovery Services Board. Multi-system. Um, programming for people and really it's about collaborating and bringing all of these what might have been long ago silos of people yeah bringing us all together and what, it's really about collaboration
0: what happens if if, if this individual says i i don't want to be off of the streets i'm look you can help me but i i am fine the way i am i'm sure um people accepting help is one of the pushbacks and major challenges you have.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, I could tell you out of the last 10 referrals who uh, were individuals who were chronically homeless, literally not one of them said that to us. So I find that interesting, right? Uh, Cause I have heard that there's some individuals, you know, even on the streets of downtown Toledo, there's some I, I think of right off the bat and they seem to others to be pretty, they say we're, we're happy. With life, how it is. You know, we're our own boss. We're, yeah, well, I want you to be your own boss anyway. Um, that's absolutely right. I also want you to be clothed and I want you to be fed well and I want you to have shelter and be taken care of. So um, we haven't had anyone say to us, I really, really want to stay on the streets. That's, that's where it's at for me.
0: What, what about accepting help otherwise? Uh, there's obviously a lot of challenges with your regular person who, these yeah. are the people that I talk to. I'm fine. I don't want to do medication again. I don't want to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. I have to wait six months. All People in pretty, in relatively good circumstances are saying no. What about people who are in those circumstances? Do they ever say, look, I just hit a rough spot. There's there's nothing wrong in between my ears. Do they push back against mental health services? They
1: do. They will come right out and say to us, I I'm don't, not crazy. I'm not crazy. Are you saying I'm crazy? <laughs> no, we're not saying you're crazy. And we don't even like to use the word crazy or nuts or any right. of it, right? We're just
0: depressed and yeah. anxious. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: We're like, um, they will say to us, some of some of our individuals, I don't know why in meetings with the doctor, they refer to schizophrenia. Who are they talking about? Because surely it's not me, you know, Um, and they don't see it. They don't have that that presence of mind to realize their true diagnosis and what they're grappling with and dealing with. And the other thing, Eric, as this will not shock you, if you've been taking your meds for a while, you're feeling good, right? You're feeling, you're being, you know, more successful. You're feeling like, Hey, my days are better. I'm doing well. I'm feeling better. Guess what? You're going to think I can go off those meds, right? That's what a lot of people do.
0: We we do a one thing that I've noticed that I have to be more acutely aware of and I have a couple of presentations this week that I, I need to r- remind people of this as you were saying earlier um like one thing that always goes through my head is I will always have this I will always take my medication or else I will erode into something awful where I don't want I don't want to be my friends don't want me to be there yeah we right. need to do a better job saying look this is this is not curable this is it's not like cancer it's more like blood pressure or diabetes, you have to manage it. Like you can never come off this medication. We might right. change it. We might change the dosage, give you mm-hmm. something else that could be better, right. less side effects. But like you are hopefully your left arm, this is never going away and you have to manage it.
1: Exactly. And um, and just, you know, like we talk about in sui- the suicide prevention part of things, uh, just because, you know, someone's sitting there, whether they're sitting there in a chair, sitting on the streets, you know, where wherever they are, you don't always see See it. It's not like their arm is missing yeah. or their leg fell off. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, we don't always see what's going on up in someone's mind, right? And you know, you just if you took a couple minutes and spoke with them, you'd see really quickly if that person's okay or not. Yeah, you know, and and really destigmatizing all of that. You don't have to run away from that person on the streets because maybe they they need your help.
0: Yeah, yeah, we. It's I, I, I I I it certainly changed my spectrum of view the last 10 years, because I was living downtown. I encountered a lot of people who were coming and going from Cherry Street and and, and whatnot, and it changed my perspective, um, thinking of financial problems that hit people, and nobody wants to be living on the streets. Mm -hmm. So I I hope that happens with others, especially with programs like this. What's the best way for people uh, to access the program through the Mental Health and Recovery Services Board or to just get connected with you in some way?
1: Well, if you want to... You know, since I'm the one sitting here talking with you today, I would say give our office a call. Uh, we have a, a new phone system that's going to be going into place. But I would just say you could even call me directly. It's four one nine two one three two two three eight, and you could reach out that way. I will, if I don't have the answers for you, I'll definitely put you in connection with someone who does.
0: Should they um, should they be asking for for a specific program aside from just the wonderful Carol uh, to to get into the <laughs> yeah. services? Well, no, if
1: they're if it's guardianship concerns, they'd be starting with the right person. And I don't mind if they call me direct. If it's someone else in my office that I need to put them in contact with, I simply just transfer the call over, right? But um, I I have to tell you, um, the Board of D.D., has been just right up there with with the Mental Health Recovery Services Board and the amount of attention they're giving to their clients on this and trying to be mindful and watchful of, hey, I'm going to use John as an example. You know, John was great with the start of COVID and and he he, couldn't see all his doctors too much. But now we are noticing, you know, now he's back, you know, people are back out and and doing more and, and John's not the same guy. He's he's declining. Yeah. And and it's noticeable. And that's when they're being real proactive about saying we don't want to automatically give everyone a guardian. Right. It's it's a last resort kind of thing for for someone. But when that decline is noticeable and it's been happening over a period of time, um, I appreciate when they reach out to us and and tell us they need our help.
0: How have how have things been different during covid and as we get a little farther from it's real evil tentacles um what how has covid changed all of this
1: i think you know during covid even individuals that needed to see their counselors and and get get the help they could they were doing you know what they're still doing a lot of uh what telehealth right mm-hmm. doctor visits that way or counseling sessions um, you know, via the screen. Uh, well, guess what? A lot of our people, they don't have that screen. They don't have that cell phone. They don't have that laptop or desktop. So they weren't able to access those kinds of things. We just are so easy. It's so easy to think, well, everyone's got a computer, right? Everyone's got a cell phone. A lot of our people don't have either. Yeah. It's hard to reach them. We have to go find them. So, um, you know, during COVID, they weren't able to access things that maybe you or I could have accessed and still had that help if we needed it. And so it, it just was a gradual decline. And if they don't have someone looking out for them, a case manager in place or uh, a guardian or or someone really uh, in their family who still cares a lot because the, there haven't been burnt bridges or family members just, you know, they start to age out as people get older, right? And someone who might've been able to help you isn't around anymore. So without those watchful eyes, uh, people do start falling through the cracks, and that's what uh, the Board of DD, the Mental Health Recovery Services Board, especially, in us and probate court, we want to catch those people before they fall through every crack in the system.
0: So let me ask you this um the world has become challenging in a different way as covid has subsided a little bit yeah uh, costs for all things in our life have have gone up nobody ever wants to hear the word inflation ever again no, um,
1: everything's gotten expensive right? they really expensive
0: yeah and and everybody now has just when they thought they, they we got past the, the sickness part of it in a lot of ways now we have mm-hmm. other now other parts of our life is is sick right. is, is sick um mental health board uh we're talking about the levy that was recently passed uh overwhelmingly um so you're talking about like people's tax dollars and i'm only asking this, only asking you this question so you can give the answer okay if i'm that person who lives in west toledo and you know i still grumble when i when i see my grocery bill things are okay i'm good i'm not going to be out on the streets yeah but i grumble with all these increased costs why should i care about that person that you're trying to help so much
1: Why should you care? Because that person at any point in time could be anyone in your family. It really could. It could even be you down the road. And I think we all have to look out for each other, Eric. We really do. It's easy to say, I don't care about that person or that one over there. uh, Almost like a throwaway society to me. No, it's just... It's just not cutting it. And when you see those things in the news you mentioned earlier that just grab you and you say, oh my, oh my God, how did this happen? How did that woman do that? How did that guy do that? One, one medical bill. because nobody cared. Nobody cared.
0: One one medical bill. that That's a great example because yeah. we have all gotten bills that have had our jaws hit the floor. And sometimes they're legit. Sometimes they were just improperly coded. Right. But I could see that, that being a way for that person in West Toledo that they wind up eventually, maybe not on the street just yet, but maybe it's in their car or couch surfing. And before you know it, they're in a terrible spot.
1: Yeah. You know, you hear people saying whether they're religious or not there, but by the grace of God, go I, you know, we're one step away from it sometimes in a bad situation. And, uh, and one one just life soul-crushing um, bill could really make you feel like there's just not a lot, of, yeah. not a lot of hope or not a lot of help. And there really is. And I'm seeing it through these county boards, amazing work they're doing. Um, and I wanted to point out that, again, if if you were to work with us, I didn't say this earlier, you know how much we charge? to help help these individuals zero dollars
0: usually whoever i bring Uh on doesn't usually doesn't usually charge anything
1: yeah it's zero dollars i mean i do the attorney piece of the work and i'm doing the paperwork with the courts it's zero dollars the court fees they zero out with us uh they do because these individuals are considered indigent they have to be 18 or older to work with us we are not working with the with the littles we leave that uh to the wonderful people over at the lucas county children's services board and and their attorneys and uh, case managers and everyone there. But um, it is it's zero dollars. My legal piece is zero dollars. The courts have been fantastic. Uh, Probate court's been great with helping um, indigent people, which That's people, you know, they're like I said, they're on SSI. They're getting Medicaid. They're going to be presumed indigent. Um, They're not really working. They're not owning a home. They might not even have an apartment. um, They don't own a car. I mean, they don't have much of anything. And how can we expect them to pay to get some help? They they just can't. So that's where our amazing funders and those county boards come in.
0: (coughs) Excuse me. Last question. Can you give me a success story?
1: Can I give you a success
0: story? You don't have to do names. But yeah. we've already talked about people who wind I'm... up seeking your help. How about somebody who's gone through it? And whether they are they still have a guardianship to some degree, mm-hmm. or they are back out living their life, and somebody just checks in on them in a friendly manner. Because we do all, all this stuff is for success stories.
1: But yeah. You know what's been really... I mean, you could tell I'm a a child of the 70s, right, and into the 80s. Really cool and really neat, Uh, I like to say, about our program and why I just love my job so much is that every single individual, and we're approaching 40. Um, 40, if you were talking to people at the court wards, uh, we call them ward clients, but I like to call them by their first name when I'm talking to them. Right. I don't say, Hey, ward, come over here. Um, ward number four, ward number four. You were our fourth one. Every single one of them at this moment is a success story for us. Good. And it's almost 40 people. Cause
0: you're in a better spot than where they were before they got to you. Right. They,
1: uh, yes. There is no way they're not going to be in a better spot. Right. We, We literally pick them up when they fall. And I wanted to tell you to answer that last question. If they have a hard time, we get them off the streets because they want to be off the streets. Things aren't perfect, right? They're set up in an apartment. They're in a group home, whatever. Guess what? A lot of times that it doesn't work out. It fails. They leave. They can leave and they leave and they don't want to go back. So we just work with them to try to find a good fit. And we're going to keep trying and keep trying another group home, another apartment, another... Uh, appropriate setting whatever's least restric- least restrictive and what uh what fits them the best
0: i can only imagine like how a minor stressor um, after you've helped them uh, might get them back to we' we're, we're all human nature is good and bad uh, yeah. and we often gravitate to where we're comfortable and what we know and i could See how challenging it could be where you get somebody off the street, you find them a place to live, but maybe the chemistry is not working with the the setting or Mm -hmm. the people there, and they just pick up and go, and then you got to pick them up again. And and it sounds like you're saying, we'll find you another place. We're going to keep at this thing.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times um, they might go back to using substances, right? And we're trying to help them. They might be pregnant. They might not be pregnant. Um, when we've got that mix of mental health, uh, someone I'm thinking of right now who I'm very worried about and we're working so hard to help her. Um, we got a mix of mental health, some developmental disability in there, a pregnancy and drug use. You put that all together that any one of those is a lot for someone. Yeah. This individual has all of it. And she's not the only one out there suffering with a lot of things and doesn't know how to help herself. So we just keep picking her up and helping her and that unborn, un, un, not unbun unborn baby of hers. And we uh, are doing our very best to
0: help them both. It, it's incredibly figurative and literal uh, heavy lifting. And so thank you for having the oh. compassion to do it um last last question because you you brought it up and we have we have ignored it in a lot of ways over the last couple of years although i very i read a very pessimistic article today uh, about where we are with overdose numbers we all know about the the opioid epidemic before we got to the pandemic and we had made some progress and as we all had expected we fell backwards um how much is woven into the equation we've talked about for the last 20 minutes uh with opioid addiction
1: Well, a lot of it is. I saw a lot, uh, you know, when I was working related to doing a lot more work with children's services as a a Lucas County uh, guardian ad litem attorney, um, the opioid (laughs) epidemic, I can't talk today, epidemic was always on the the forefront um, with just about every client I was working with through the courts. But now I'm seeing, uh, we're seeing a lot of fentanyl. You know, and a lot of non-opioid related um, substances, but is it is it still a huge part of the picture? Absolutely. That I can't say epidemic is not getting, in my eyes, a lot better. It's taken a lot of lives. Um, I think again the the substance abuse programs and housing initiatives and the work that uh, I can't say enough about the mental health recovery services board. um, They are amazing me at every turn with how they put those levy dollars those tax dollars to work and they are really trying to to chip it's more of chipping away at that opioid uh, situation and the fentanyl situation and just teaching them young to just keep saying no to drugs. Yeah. I mean, honest to God, um, it's like a, a broken record with that. But it's it's a big part of what we're dealing with. But even more is those diagnoses that we're seeing on the, uh, you know, with schizophrenia especially and, and some developmental disabilities on the other side. And when they're all coming together, it's just more than one person can deal with a lot of times. And, and we're here to help and help you pick up the pieces and, and get you back on your feet
0: there's a little hope. There's a lot of help out there. Thanks so much for the time.
1: There is, and thank you. Thanks for giving me the time. Of course. Appreciate it.